The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The two disciples recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified, and they thought they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Our gospel this weekend is much like the one last weekend. Last weekend was from John, though, this weekend from Luke. But they recount that similar occurrence, that same reality of Jesus coming to the disciples after the resurrection. They differ in their details, but the main point is that Christ comes, and the first thing he does is he wishes the apostles peace. He recognized that he sees it all over their face, and even more so, he reads it in their heart, that there is still much fear and confusion, much anxiety. And as he simply points out, he says, why do, you, why do so many questions arise in your hearts? He comes to them recognizing that rather than the peace that he desires them to have, they're filled with all sorts of anxieties. And so he comes to be able to bring that peace to them. To be able to quench all of those fears and those things that arose. He does this in a couple of different ways. First, he assures them that what they're seeing is in fact not a ghost. The gospel recounts, in no uncertain terms, they were pretty sure they were seeing a ghost. (laughs) And so Jesus asks them, he says, look at my hands and my feet, it's I myself. He says, do you have anything to eat? It's not because he's necessarily hungry, but he eats something in front of them to show them I can eat food. I'm not a ghost. I'm not just a figment of your imagination. I'm actually consuming this food because I have a body. I've been raised. And to show them after that, it's not just physically, but then he goes to the next level, to the deeper level, spiritually. And he goes to when he breaks open the Psalms and the prophets and the law of Moses and all the places that speak of the necessity of exactly what was happening. And he says, don't be, don't be anxious. Don't be concerned. Don't be afraid. All of this is exactly as it's supposed to be. See? And he lays it out for them. Both physically as well as mentally and spiritually, the Lord comes to them to assure them 
that things are as they should be. That he is with them. That he hasn't abandoned them. That he's not gone. He comes to bring them peace. It's the peace of knowing that Christ is with them. That Christ has not abandoned them. Just fulfilling what he said some days before. I will not leave you orphans. To know that Christ is with them, and indeed that Christ is with us, this brings the peace. It's the first fruits of resurrection. Because it's a reminder to us in a very visible form that the cross is not the end of the story, but the resurrection comes. That God is faithful to us, even despite the sufferings that may happen, there is always the victory in Christ. And this gives us hope and ultimately can bring us peace. One of the great things that the scriptures remind us of today is in our second reading from the first letter of St. John. John reminds us not to sin. It's always a good starting point, huh? I'm writing to you so that you don't sin, period. But if you do, in our weakness, he's writing and he kind of implicitly says, don't be anxious, don't be fearful, don't be concerned, don't be afraid. Rather, trust. Because we have one who is an advocate for us. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We have an advocate. And it's important for us to understand exactly what an advocate is. The word comes from two Latin words, which means simply to call to. Advocare. To call to is simply is one that we would call out to to come to be with us, to be at our side. An advocate is someone who comes and remains with us. They can be someone to give us counsel. They can guide us and direct us in the ways which we should do. Whatever it is that's a question mark in our mind. They can be there to defend us. To speak up for us. They can be there as a confidant. Someone that we can entrust ourselves to and speak to. In the openness of heart without feeling like we have to hide things or say things or phrase things in just the right manner. Lest they get upset with us. And ultimately an advocate is someone who is, remains at our side. They're a friend. A companion. And this is what Jesus is for us. He's all of these things. He comes to us and he remains with us. Jesus Christ the righteous one. We call out to him, and he comes and he stays by our side. He counsels us and encourages us. He guides us and directs us. He too will come to us just like he did with those other disciples and the twelve that we hear about today. To be able to come and to open up our minds to understand the scriptures. He would do all of these things. He stands before the Father interceding for us. Asking for mercy on our behalf. And he is our companion. He's there in flesh and blood, as well as in spirit, to assure us that we are not alone, that we have not been abandoned, and that ultimately the victory is his. It's a visible reminder of that to us. To know that Christ is with us as an advocate doesn't mean the storms don't come. We know that the majority of the disciples ultimately were martyred for their faith, they died. On account of Christ. Countless others of the church have experienced the same fate. Every single one of us experienced sorrows and sufferings in this valley of tears. 
We experience storms, both physical as well as literal, spiritual, emotional. All of this is natural for us. But the thing is for us to remember that Christ is with us. And to know that Christ is with us in the midst of these storms, it should be for us as Christians a source of great peace. Just like the disciples in the account as Jesus, I think it was on the Sea of, Ti- sea of Tiberias, if I could talk right today. Where Jesus is out in the boat, and he's with his disciples, a handful of the disciples, and they're, and they're out, and it's late, and the sea begins to crash around them. A big storm pulls up, and waves are crashing. The disciples are pretty sure they're about to die. They're about to perish. They're about to drown in the midst of the sea. And where is Jesus? In the back, sleeping. Completely at peace. Because he knows the Father is watching over them. Whenever the disciples call out to him, he awakes. And he says, why are you worried? What, why, why the anxiety here? Trust. Everything is as it should be. On that particular occasion, he gives the extra grace to the disciples of stilling the storm. As he says, still be quiet, be silent, and the storm ceases. And sometimes he does the same for us. Sometimes whenever we call out to him, whenever we cry out in our prayers, sometimes the storm really does cease and things change. But sometimes not. Sometimes he just assures us it's okay. Stay close. Things are as they should be. An invitation for us to trust. And so the call is for us to continue to call out to the Lord. And to remember that he is with us. To pray the rosary. And to meditate on the life of Christ. Is to draw closer to Christ and his mysteries. To read the scripture is to give him the opportunity as well to speak to us. And to open our minds to the things that he spoke elsewhere. To spend quiet time that we might be able to hear the voice of God. Which quite often is the still small whisper. Rather than a booming voice that we would desire. But especially, I would encourage you to spend time in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Because he is here. Jesus Christ. This is one of the greatest things about the resurrection. Is if Jesus was just raised up back to the same exact life that he had before. That if his body was exactly the same and everything was normal, it wasn't a glorified body. Jesus Christ would be localized to one specific place. And if I wanted to encounter Christ... I would have to make sure my passport was in good order. I would have to get on a nice expensive flight. Probably enjoy a nice nice few airports and the joy of the security that they bring. And then fly across the seas to Christ and probably wait in a nice long line to encounter Christ. But such is not the case. With the resurrection, Christ becomes glorified. And in a way that we can't understand, it becomes physically present To all of us, all around the world, particularly in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament in the chapel. And so he is with us, physically here. We may not be able to see his face and hear his voice and to be able to directly have conversation with him as we do with one another, as we would like to do with him. But it is certain that he is with us. He does speak to us. He does hear us. He comes to console us and to guide us, to direct us, and simply to be a friend. 
and this is the grace of the Eucharist, is that it is Christ with us. Here, our advocate, right by our side. This week I was looking through some of the diocesan regulations and the rules of the church on various various aspects of Christian life. And one of the things I was struck by is it directed that the pastor of the parish is to ensure that if at all possible, the parish church should remain open through the course of the day, that the door should remain unlocked so that the faithful may come to spend time with Christ. I was struck by that, that it's actually in law, (laughs) that the priest is supposed to keep the door open as much as possible, that the faithful might be able to come to, to be with him, to see him, to pray with him, to rest in him. And so this is the call for us. Spend time with Christ. Whether it's in the quiet of a normal day where we simply come and rest, where it's in a special time where we have such as a, a time of adoration of the Blessed Sacrament at a, you know, at a certain hour as we have the few minutes here at the end of Mass today for benediction. All of those are good and holy. And we should do them regularly. But I would encourage every one of you especially that when the storms of life come, place number one that you should fly to is the church. It's to Christ and the Eucharist. Whenever we're experiencing sorrow, to come to him and to be consoled. When things seem to be raising so many questions of which we have almost no answers, come to him and he will bring us the peace we desire. When all seems lost and we seem to be perishing, come to him. And every single time, if we simply allow ourselves to be in his presence and to speak to him heart to heart as a companion, to entrust ourselves to him, we will have peace. The resurrection is not just something that happened nearly 2,000 years ago that only has consequences for us later down the line. The resurrection is something that has concrete, practical implications for us today. Because the body of Christ is here. He wants to bring his peace, the fruit of the resurrection, to you. Now. Not later on. Today. The Christian mysteries that we celebrate from week to week are wonderful to pray with and reflect upon. But if we only pray with them and reflect upon them and we keep them in our head and they, re- they fail to encounter and to, to sink into the depths of our heart, we've missed the beauty and power of the Christian message itself. Namely, that what we come to celebrate, what we come to receive, what we come to encounter, who we come to encounter, rather, it's not something distant. It's alive. And it seeks to do the same in us, to bring us to full life. And so, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for this day and for the graces that you give to us. We thank you especially for the Eucharist that reminds us that you are always with us. You do not abandon us. You do not leave us orphans. But you come to counsel and guide us, to console us and to strengthen us, to defend us and to be our friend. And we ask that you would help us to continue to draw close to you. Help us to stay with you each and every day in the quiet of our hearts but especially to come and to spend time in your presence. And help us above all in the times when the storms become raging around us and within us to remember the one reality that you call us to.
to come to you and to experience peace. And so, Lord, give us a taste of that peace today by this time that we spend in your presence. Give us a taste of the joy that you have not only stored for us in eternity, but you desire to grant to us here and now. Lord, you bid us peace, and it's peace that we desire.